our brand mission is to inspire joy every day, whether it's through products, experiences. And it's a very personal motivation for me to partner with someone like Make-A-Wish because we are a Wish family. Are you ready to reinvent your organization and create a workplace of the future? Welcome to the Optimized Workplace. My name is Fran Dean Bishop, and I'm the founder and CEO of Aerobody. Join me each week as I welcome innovators, A-listers, and trailblazers who will share their individual experiences with creating an optimized workplace. This podcast will inspire you to find new and unique ways of helping your organization thrive while providing an exceptional experience for your employees and nourishing their well-being. Ready to get started? Learn more at theoptimizedworkplace.co. Welcome to The Optimized Workplace. I'm your host, Fran Dean Bishop, where our discussions with influencers, experts, and innovators are helping transform the well-being and sustainability of today's workspaces and places. Today, I welcome CEO Viola Satanto. She is the creative director and founder of sustainability brand Maika. I am so excited and delighted she's joining us for today's call. We met about a year ago through another CEO network connection. And as soon as I heard about her brand, Maika, I was intrigued because think about it. It's a sustainability brand. So without further ado, Viola, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Fran. I'm excited to be here today. Well, we are delighted that you're here. And just off the cuff, please explain to our listeners what does it mean to have a sustainability brand? And what is Maika all about? I'll start with what Maika is. And um, at Maika, you know, we make bags for everyday use that are both beautiful, but also functional. And these bags are made with sustainable materials. The second thing that we do is partner with brands and help them connect better and more joyfully with the customers through storytelling and design. And sometimes that results in designing exclusive product collections for them or creating programs or experiences. Oh, I love it. And as far as, thank you. And as far as the sustainability part of things, um, you know, that's a thread that runs through everything that we do beyond just creating a product. So, you know, as I mentioned, the bags are made with sustainable materials, but then, you know, we try to take that through. What does that look like? Um, beyond sourcing sustainable materials in the manufacturing process? How do we optimize things there so that um, we are a little bit gentler on the earth? And in terms of the complete product, how do we package them? How do we ship them? Mm -hmm. And then there's also sustainability within the workplace where we try to go paperless as much as possible. It's, it's, you know, sustainability is something that I think um, goes beyond a physical product. And we try to incorporate that as much as possible. You've given us a whole lot to unpack here. So let's take this in, in sections because I think it's fantastic. For those of you who are listening and can't see us, you know, you can follow the Optimizer Workplace on YouTube, but she's got some beautiful designed bags behind her in the backdrop. So again, if you're if you're just listening and you're not viewing this, hop over to the YouTube so you can see it because I, I love the, you, you truly are a creative artist because you can see the artistry in the bags. You can also see some of her samplings um, on the wall, which is fantastic. So let's unpack the piece that you said around helping brands be kind of bring their vision to light, if you will, and uh, uh, tell a story. I love that piece because storytelling is 
you know, it is so, it's so visible when people do it well. It's visible from novels, from music to fashion to all kinds of things. And I love the idea of what you just said, storytelling in the workplace, because in the work that we do, we're seeing a lot of clients dealing with, you know, mass resignation and mass um, uh, reorganization, massively trying to figure out how do they redeploy this distributed workplace and remote workers and get people to buy in again to their brand for one and to coming back into the office for two or looking at a hybrid, whatever that looks like. So can you talk a little bit about how you and Micah really do um, tell the story and help brands tell the story around sustainability for their particular brand. I love that idea. I'm going to start with uh, the current partnership that we have, which I'm super excited about. So we just partnered with uh, Make-A-Wish America. And, um, you know, their mission is really to grant wishes to kids with critical illnesses. And these wishes are really powerful because it brings them hope and joy as they're fighting, you know, these, these massive battles with their health. And for us at MICA, our, our brand mission is to inspire joy every day, whether it's through products, experiences. And it's a very personal motivation for me to partner with someone like Make-A-Wish because we are a wish family. My daughter went through a bone marrow transplant in 2019, and she was granted a wish by Make-A-Wish. Um, and her wish was, by the way, I should say my daughter is, is fine now. She's healthy. <laughs> There's you know, we were all on like, <gasps> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's a miracle story. Her little three-year-old brother oh. uh, was a bone marrow donor and, you know, um, yeah, so it, it all ended well there. But um, what really, you know, inspired me was that her wish um, was to create this giant mural with her favorite quote that she and I would hand letter and design together and invite all our friends and family who have been a part of her journey to come together one weekend and paint this mural. Mm. And it was an incredible experience. You know, you've got like a hundred kids, 11 year olds, adults, families coming together to, to make this piece of art. Um, and the quote says, it doesn't get any easier. You just get stronger. Um, and it's it's really doesn't a very, get any easier. Um, you just get it doesn't get any easier. You just get stronger. Oh, I love that. Uh, you guys, you should if you're in traffic right now, commit that to memory. Record it. I think that is fantastic. It doesn't get any easier. You just get stronger. That's a mantra for life. Go, little three year old. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So out of that, you know, that wish, it inspired us to create a whole collection. It's called Micah's Wish Collection. And now we have a partnership with Make-A-Wish where, you know, we're helping them further their mission, but also really, you know, both brands are so aligned in, in our mission to spread joy and hope. And mm -hmm. for every purchase, you know, you make that you, you purchase from Micah's Wish Collection will make a direct donation to them. And so, you know, in this kind of partnership, I think where both brands are very aligned both brands are very motivated to further their work. Mm -hmm. There is true sustainability in that kind of a partnership. You know, so when when there's alignment, there will be sustainability in the long run. That's what I believe. So let's talk about, so, you know, obviously Make-A-Wish is a very dynamic, I think, uh, very resourceful, and it's easy to see the story pattern and the storyline in a brand like that. 
let's face it, most corporate brands are not that interesting <laughs> and they're not that, you know, uh, uh, there's no sizzle, you know, it's just, we, we show up, we do the work that we right. do and we may be very committed to that work, but they're not that exciting. They're not that sizzle. It's very interesting running aero bodies. Every time I meet somebody, they always want to know where the name come from and how you got started. Because I think the name is like aero bodies. What does that mean? But a lot of brands aren't that way, right? Um, they're, they're kind of basic. So going back to this idea that you have around telling the story on sustainability, for one, does a brand have to be a sustainable brand in order to tell a sustainable story? And yes or no, if not, then how do they connect that sustainable storytelling, as you just mentioned, to maybe the like their ESG mission, you know, environmental sustainability and governance? How do they then do that? You don't have to be a sustainable brand in order to be able to partner and create meaning. Um, there's always, you know, even in the largest of organizations, even if it seems everything in there is kind of dry and um, you just do the work and you go home, there's always a snippet of something that is connected to the why, you know, the the overarching brand mission. That's So I, I feel like where we have our strength in is finding that little nugget that then sets off, that's like that little spark, you know, that just sets off what this whole partnership, what this whole storytelling could look like. Even within, you know, huge corporations, this may be, a, you know, a foundation that they've started where they're doing really good work. It's not high profile. It's, um, you know, it's kind of that hidden gem within a larger uh, body that, you know, we try to dig into and find. And sometimes it's an individual, it's that one person working in the company that's really the the force behind the company. So we we want to look for those kinds of nuggets to work with. Yeah, I love that because it, you're you're really showing that you have to really be connected with your mission and know your why. And I probably you know Micah's superpower is being able to help brands uncover that. You know, they have a mission statement. But sometimes that really is not connected to their why, why people show up and do the work that they do. And to that point, that's what's so powerful is really helping employees realize, why am I showing up? Why am I so vested in this organization? We do a lot of federal work with our company. Um, and I was talking to a, one of our strategic partners the other day, and they said they know the reason why people come to work at their federal brand is because they know at the end of the day, they're helping to save lives. They're helping, um, you know, civilians who are supporting some of these um, uh, units and uh, um, deployments of, of large scale individuals for, you know, stability operations or emergency management or something like that. So that's a huge like it's it's very clear what your why is. But I love what you're saying, right. Viola, is helping people identify their why. Sometimes it takes some digging. It takes some uncovering. Um, and so that's how you all partner with organizations to do that. So let's kind of go behind the lens a little bit, because I'm sure many of our listeners are so curious about how you even got started in this in this work. You know, what drove you as a as a founder to even, um, you know, decide to launch this brand and grow it as you have. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. So I first started um, this company as a design services company. It was a brand agency to serve small businesses um, that may not have the budget to um, hire a full-on branding agency to start their, their, their brand. 
Um, and from there, you know, I, I realized that, you know, there's really some power in doing this and helping small brands uh, at the very start of their journey to get involved in their story and help them grow. So I've always loved that. But um, my own personal journey was that I, I got restless. I wanted to make product, you know, like I wanted to physically use my hands and make things. And so, you know, I, I started another vision, another division of the company where I was making things, going to trade shows, um, you know, selling wholesale. And over time, that business grew and it became the back brand, Micah. Ironically, I grew up in a bag family. My, my family has over four decades of experience in the luxury bag business in Asia. Okay. And growing up, I always thought I will never get into that bag business. It is so hard. <laughs> so I tried really hard to avoid starting a bag brand. Look where I am today. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess it's in my blood, you know, mm-hmm. I can't escape it. Yeah. Um, but you know, as I continue to to grow Micah as a as a product brand, I always had my pulse on, you know, design and experiences and you know, how do I how do I incorporate that back into um our our brand? And um now being able to partner with other brands and grow both channels of, of the micro brand product and experience design um has been a very joyful experience for me. I love that. I, I, that is so phenomenal. So, so, so a couple of things that you said that I think really resonated is the fact that so often we want to run away from our story. You know, I, right. I'm I'm the kid of an entrepreneurs, two entrepreneurs, two. My kid, my family had businesses when I was at three years old. I remember going with my dad. My dad had a stream of restaurants, right? And I was always going to the restaurants with him and I was responsible for helping him receive the, you know, the food and, and, and the supplies from the different people that would come in. And then I got to pay them. I had to reach into the cash register and pay them. So I remember that, but so often I was like, I so hate this. I hate this. I I want to do this. I don't want to worry about this. I don't want to look at your ledger. I'm 10 years old. I don't feel like getting on this track and doing this. And it's funny how as an entrepreneur, you go back to those stories and you find that those stories really help you. And people go to classes and they go get MBAs and they, you know, they want to sit at the feet of entrepreneurs who have been doing it for years where, you know, you and I, we, we learned it at the kitchen mm-hmm. table. So that is phenomenal. So unpack that a little bit more for us. So how, since you grew up um, the child of parents who have been in the business, how did you then decide to launch uh, in this area, sustainability bags and the types of bags that you have? Like what, what was that calling that you had, so to speak? How did you decide to go in that direction? Because we have, and the reason I'm asking that question is we have a lot of people that listen that are in corporate America, leaders, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But we also have people, and I hear this a lot from leaders that, you know what, I've always thought about if I wanted to launch my own. And so I think that creative juice, where did Mm -hmm. that creative juice come from? Since you are a creator, you're an, an artist as well. I think that would be so uh, helpful for people to hear. So first of all, I, I think that's a difference between being an artist and a designer. And this is something I've thought about a lot, right? Where I think when you're an artist, you create art, um, you know, it comes from the heart. It's what moves you to create art. But then as a designer, I've always felt like you're designing or you're creating to solve a need, to solve a problem. 
Mm-hmm. So in my case, um, I've always felt like I think more like a designer than an artist. Um, so in my case, I was looking for that gap, you know, growing up around luxury bags. And, you know, I love everything about them, the craftsmanship, the attention to detail, and just every step of the process is so meticulous and so um, thoughtful. And I, I really admired that. But I've always felt the price points are just not accessible to the average working professional. You know, I I don't want to have a bag where I've spent so much money and be afraid to set it down because it's going to get stained or, you know. Um, or somebody will steal dirty. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so or people will judge you because of it. You know what I mean? All of that stuff. It's all yeah, of that stuff. Yeah. Combined. Or, yeah. Or the best one is when you have to buy another bag to put your precious bag in because you're afraid oh, it's going to get dirty. <laughs> Uh, it's nuts. It's nuts what we do to protect our 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 luxury oh. addictions, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know, I realized um, you know, I, I have access to these luxury bags. My parents would gift me something from the latest collection, and I was always afraid to use them because I work in a pretty industrial environment. I'm making things, I have inks and you know, <laughs> scissors everywhere. So my thought was like, what if I were to create a bag that is, you know, just as thoughtfully designed, just as thoughtfully crafted, good quality materials, but make it ex- accessible to more people. And that's how the whole idea of I want to inspire joy through creating delightful products that are accessible to people who want to use them. So you were really clear about the why. I, I'm hearing you were really clear about the why and who was going to use these materials. And I, it's interesting hearing your story because you, you're seeing this more and more, I think, with, um, I just call it aligned luxury. I mean, there are brands that are coming up now like yours that are aligned to that luxury feel, but they want mm-hmm. to make them very accessible to everyone else. There's another famous brand. I won't name him, but a lot of people carry his bags and he's well, well known. Uh-huh. He's very much about, he has this new thing in terms of the pricing where if the bag sells out or the product sells out, then that's the price it's locked at forever, which I thought was really a very ingenious oh, way. Yeah, isn't that cool? I'll tell you who it is yeah. after the call. But yeah, okay. I think that's really ingenious, right? It's like, you know, I'm not going to, I want my bags accessible. I want people to feel good about them, but I don't want them to go broke or not pay rent because they got to get right. this bag. Like that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you can still look good. Male, female, you can still look good. You can still look fantastic. And you're, I just can't, I love red, first of all. So I can't, my eyes just keep going to the collection behind you because you have red and you have grays and you, they're fun and they're vibrant. So I'm just thinking who inspires you? I'm, I'm so curious who inspires you? What inspires you to create and to continue to design as you do? Gosh, so many things inspire me. It's really just being observant, looking around every day. In general, I would say Japanese design inspires me, Scandinavian design inspires me, you know, and just um, artists, fine artists. Um, I love looking at a whole range of work and just um, just playing. You know what? It is, it's play. Play inspires me. I usually I have the best that. ideas when I am doing something that is not at all related to what I thought I was doing. You know, like I can't sit down and just say, today I'm going to design a mm-hmm. pattern. You know, it's usually when I'm maybe doodling with my kid, drawing Spider-Man that I go, oh, this could be a really good pattern <laughs> out of <laughs> the scribbles it. that we've just created. Um, 
So if a brand, if a brand came to you and said, Hey, we know that we need to create a story. We have, we know that there's a story in there about our brand, but we're not sure what product and we're not Mm -hmm. sure what story. Cause I, I truly believe that brands have multiple stories, right? Like it's right. There's so many iterations that you have as you've grown your company or you've launched a new service line or product line. But if a brand came and said, Viola, we know we want to launch some sort of product that tells our story. Can you talk us through the co-creation process a little bit and uh, what a brand, Aerobodies, for instance, should be thinking about if we wanted to you know, partner with your company to tell our story through a product, a sustainable product? I think, um, you know, in the exploratory exploratory phase of this is to just ask a lot of questions. You know, at, in the beginning, I, I would never know. You know, I would never seem to say, I think you should have a collection of mm-hmm. bags or a collection of hardware or something like that. But, um, you know, I think for us, the first phase is always about having an open mind, um, talking to stakeholders, having interviews, uh, having conversations with people from various parties, and trying to find, you know, like, what's your objective? What's your desired outcome from this? And, um, you know, what do you want your customers to get out of this? And then from there, you know, we just let the conversations flow. Sometimes we go on site, we take a look at brick and mortar. What does that look like for you? Um, what do your offices look like? And what do you want it to look like? And it's really from there and just um, exploring the different options that we start to find patterns or just threads that we can work from. I know it all sounds kind of fake at this point, but it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly, you know, step one, two, or three is because it often, it's kind of a meandering process, which is, which is the fun of it, you know, because it opens up so many possibilities. Well, to me, it doesn't because, uh, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking, you know, when we go in and work with companies, people always want to know how, you know, what's step one, step two, step three. Mm-hmm. When you co-create a process or design a wellness center or a fitness center or um, a new office that brings in sustainable well-being. And I think I relate to what you're saying because it's very much about that. It's very open-ended. It's lots of questions. It's, for me, it's always about being curious. And what is it you're mm-hmm. trying to, what is the end game? What is the end purpose and the NY look like for you. So I, that completely resonates with me. Completely, completely, completely. But I'm sure for some people, they're still scratching their head like, ah, so go to her website and you can <laughs> <laughs> figure that out. So um, that makes me think about something that you and everybody right now is being bombarded with is that whole idea around AI and ML and metaverse and um, so much about, you know, robotics and, you know, this whole um, design computer, using computers to do everything. And it, I was, it's funny, I was taking my, my I took a stacked <laughs> workout class on Thursdays, which is all about weights. I'm a little bit tired. That's why I have my cute little attire on here. Because I'm like, <laughs> I'm keeping this jacket on. I'm keeping the you jacket on. Great. Um, but when I am working out, I'm, or I'm driving, that's when I'm most creative when my body is, they call it something It's something neuroscience wise, but when your body is actively doing, um, moving in a different purpose than the the neurotransmitters are really going. And I was thinking this morning, um, about that idea around, you know, there's so much happening with computers and, and artificial intelligence these days 
that we're getting further and further around away from that human touch and that human connection and that human centric way of being. And so my creative juices were coming up, you know, for myself around what we can do as a company to, to make that more human centric connection. So I've got some ideas on that, but as the creator in your space, uh, cause this call is all about you. Uh, I'm so curious, you know, what's your take on that Viola in terms of, you know, again, what we see today and how people can stay purposeful to the human connection and sustainability is all about the human connection, right? It's not overuse. It's really about using what you have and being very intentional around mm-hmm. that. So how do we stay grounded in that? Particularly thinking about, as you just said, you know, you use existing materials to mm-hmm. recreate and design incredible things. I think it's all about balance. I mean, you, you hit it um, right there when you said, you know, intention, it's all about using technology intentionally you know it can't at least in my opinion i don't think it can ever fully replace the human experience um but you know i think if you use it selectively it could be a huge advantage to you and your company um but at this early stage you know i think everyone's just trying to figure out where does that fit in and and it's going to be different for every company every brand i mean we're still trying to figure it out too and um you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dabbling in it. I'm trying to think through like, how does this apply to us, our team? When should we utilize it versus not? Um, and it's, and it's evolving so fast, you know, the tool that you thought you had three weeks ago, it's something like something, suddenly something completely different and 10 times more advanced. It's, it's really fascinating for me. And I, I don't really have an answer yet. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I, I'm confident that we, we can use this to our advantage. Um, You know, it's, it's just a matter of balance. Yeah. I I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think in the, in the throwback of fast fashion and trying to move away from that and Mm -hmm. that a purpose-driven company like your own, uh, and really thinking about intentionally what you're trying to do. I think that there is a valuable way in which to use it and to employ it um, that doesn't right. take away that touch. Because I think the human touch is so very important. And I'm sure you yeah. come up quite a bit. Even in my own design experience, when we were first introduced to computers, you know, suddenly we can draw really straight lines and perfect curves on the software. And you know, and I just jumped right on it. Everything was computer generated. Oh, it's so perfect. And then I started to miss the hand-drawn line, you know, and I realized it's the wobbly mm-hmm. stuff and the imperfections that really make our products special. You know, it feels more personal. And so I started incorporating the human touch back into the process, but still using the software and technology end of things to expedite you know, the whole creation process. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's a way to marry both of those aspects um, into an experience. And, um, you know, it's just it, like, I, I think every brand just needs to, to play around with it and figure it out for themselves, what that looks like for them. I completely concur. You said it beautifully. You really did. So as we're moving towards the end of our call, I'm so curious, you know, what, are you most excited about um, this year? Are there any highlights for your brand or for yourself as a CEO and as you move into Q2? I can't believe we're in Q2 already, but we are. I know. 
<laughs> I know. It's like, what what happened? <laughs> Who turned the lights on? It's been like working away and we're already here. So anything you're super excited about or highlight of your year thus far? As a company, I'm excited to continue scaling the business. Uh, it's been a, a fast-moving Q1, um, but it's been great. We're growing our team. We're bringing on new people. I'm excited about that. I'm um, excited about thinking through how to work together as a fully remote company when everyone's all over the place. You know, I'm excited to explore more partnerships with brands. Um, I'm open to the possibilities and I'm excited to see what's ahead there. Um, And going back to my, you know, brand design roots and incorporating that into our brand going forward. And then at a personal level, I am motivated to really have my own me time outside of work. Like I've made a commitment that's that's what I want to do going forward. It's years in the making. You know, it's a slow transition of uh, a recovering workaholic. Um, but <laughs> I am excited to, you know, act officially schedule time off on my calendar. Um, I do a personal retreat once a quarter where I check myself into an Airbnb or a hotel. And I tell my husband, you've got the kids. You're not allowed to call me. <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to text me and ask me what time their taekwondo class is <laughs> all on you just 48 hours I'll you can do it dude you can do it <laughs> i love it i love it, it. you it. use my favorite word balance it's so about balance it is i mean like you can drive 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 as the ceo and you know you you could create a hundred million dollar brand if you wanted to but for the sake of what and yeah. for the sake of your life, it's like, why? What's what's the purpose of that? You know, it, it's after a while. You can only wear, I heard this quote years ago, you can only wear one pair of Manolos at a time. Or if you're, <laughs> you know, you know or, if you're, or if you're a Christian Louboutin, you know, or carry one person at a time. Otherwise you look like an idiot. So seriously, like <laughs> what's all that about? So you got to keep the balance. I love it. You got to keep the balance. Yes. As we close, is there anything that you would like to leave with our listeners if they want to learn more about uh, Micah, the brand, you, um, and any passion projects you have on, going on this year in 2023? Anything you'd like to leave us with? I would love it if everyone would go check out um, and learn more about the story behind our partnership with Make-A-Wish. We're doing a big push to really try to highlight what they're doing and how we can help them move forward um, at micagoods.com slash wish. We tell the story there of our family being a wish family as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I would love if everyone could check that out. And if anybody wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm Viola Sutanto. Always happy to chat and connect with other entrepreneurs, women leaders, or leaders in general. Sorry, I shouldn't say just women leaders. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you should. <laughs> no alienation. We are no alienation nation. We're a friendly podcast. We love our men too. They serve a purpose. Yes, we do. All everything that she just shared will definitely be in the show notes. So continued success to you, Viola. You are doing some incredible work. I love the idea around the partnerships because I do think partnerships are a great way to scale. 
companies and also to uncover your own creativity and find new ideas and new resources, right? You can't be the only brilliant person at the boardroom table all the time. So I think that's fantastic. Everything about her company that will be in the show notes, we'll make sure we share that with you and the website, as well as um, this wonderful story with Make-A-Wish. I think that's phenomenal. And thank you all for joining us with the Optimized Workplace. Remember, it's many monumental moments that make the biggest difference in life. I'm your host, Fran Dean Bishop. It's been a pleasure, Viola. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun, Fran. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Optimized Workplace. For more insights and resources, visit theoptimizedworkplace.co. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word and share with those who will enjoy it as well. See you soon.